You guys braved the snow and the cold. Good on you. Everybody's just kind of staring, blank stares. Where are we going with this? Um, I'm going to talk about dating this morning. How many of you have dated in the room? Or are currently dating? Or had some experience with dating? No? Nobody? Just five people? Should we make all the people who are currently dating stand up and ask him how it's going? Do that? That was the plan, all right. If you're currently dating, no, I'm just kidding. Um, the title of uh, my sermon this morning is Swipe Right. Um, does anybody know what that even means? A couple of people are nodding their heads. popular dating app called Tinder has made this a popular term uh, of swiping right. It's a phrase used to describe your acceptance of something. And so on the app, um, people put profiles. If you're not familiar, you're not familiar with Tinder, Anybody? So on the app, your profile comes up. If you like it, you swipe right. If you don't, you swipe. Hey, you know Tinder. Huh? No, I don't. Eyes big as saucers. No, I don't. So if you like it, you swipe right. If you don't, you swipe uh, left. Um, so if a guy would find a girl very attractive or a girl find a guy very attractive, they would swipe right. If, or maybe if a guy would like a burrito joint, he would swipe right on the burrito joint and go for tacos. If it's not into girls or, no? It's going to be a tough crowd this morning. I need you to be with me and to wake up, all right? So I want to talk about swiping right and, and essentially use the analogy um, or, or play off Tinder a little bit and what are some of the things that we need to be swiping right, um, acceptance of stuff in our lives with regards to dating. Um, have you ever done anything stupid for love? Anybody in the room? <clears throat> um, I've got a slide here uh, that we're going to throw up. If you, no, the other one. Yeah, that one. No, you had the right one. Sorry, I was looking on the wrong screen. Ever done stupid things for love? I'm sure we could spend a lot of time this morning uh, talking about all the stupid things or all the crazy things <clears throat> that we, we've done for love. I can talk about stories um, for at least a good hour or so, uh, some of the stupid things that we did for love. Uh, but what we're going to talk about this morning is dating. Um, dating's cool, but have you ever tried stuffed crust pizza? No? Okay. We'll get there eventually, I guess. Um, but we're going to talk about dating this morning. And I want you to bear with me a little bit. And I know uh, traditionally uh, when we talk about dating, we, we talk about it in regards to two people uh, falling in love, right? And... Uh, if you would allow me this morning just to maybe explore a little bit uh, with this in the context of dating, we're going to talk about young couples and, and maybe how that and dating responds to you, um, singles, how dating responds to you, friendships, marriage, parenting. Um, I think we'll be encouraged and equipped a little better in how we approach dating in our lives, and it's not just for one person. So if you bear with me and kind of open your mind a little bit this morning, we're not talking about dating just in the context of a young guy and a young girl who are, who are trying to experience love, but we're talking about dating in the context of where you might find yourself this morning. Um, because everybody in this room falls into those categories, right? Of currently dating, married, single, right? That's, you fall into one of those categories. And so you might think, I'm not dating currently, and this has nothing to do with me. Well, you're wrong, and hopefully we're going to get there this morning. 
Um, parents in the room especially, you might think, well, I'm not dating, we're married, we've been married for a long time, but you have kids, and so let me tell you something, your kids are either currently or will be dating. And everybody said, uh-oh. And there's, uh, there's a few laws in the Bible, one is uh, the law of uh, reaping what you've sown, and so think back to your dating days, and now think about your children dating, and then take a big breath and say, Lord, help me. Um, there will be some traditional context this morning within uh, marriage, couples, and, and the traditional term of dating, but I just pray that God would help you put into context of your current situation, because if I just talked about dating um, with you know, teens or young adults that are currently experiencing looking to it, then the rest of you would maybe tune out, and I don't want you to do that this morning, uh, because I think that God maybe has something in this for all of us um, in all of our current situations where we might find ourselves. Is that cool? Can we do that? We make fun of dating a lot, and, uh, or at least I have, especially being a youth pastor, a young adult pastor for many years, it's, you have lots of stories and context to make fun of dating parents. Um, maybe you're making fun of some of your kids' dating choices, or behind their back you're making fun of them because you don't want to utterly destroy their uh, confidence. Um, but we make fun of it a lot, and, uh, but when you, when you actually find love, if you remember to this now, all those people who are married and uh, in relationship for a long time, when you find love, when you finally actually find the one that you did stupid things for, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah, when you actually find it, it was totally worth it, right? It's totally worth all those stupid things. It was totally worth those late night phone calls and the dates that you prepared and all of those things, it was totally worth it. I, I remember uh, our first date, and my wife has conveniently left the room, um, but I remember our first date, and uh, it was in Tofino. I lived on Vancouver Island. Ever been to Tofino? I think one of the beautiful, most beautiful places in Canada. Um, and so we drive from Nanaimo all the way up through Tofino, and if you've ever taken that drive, it's absolutely beautiful. And I remember we were doing the long distance thing, and so we were in a car and spending some time together, and usually, you know, she's in Calgary, I'm in BC, so we were there, but it, it really hit me that we had something special because we did that entire drive, which is just over an hour, if you're really cooking it, um, and we, we didn't talk much. We just kind of held hands and we drove, and I knew at that moment there was something special that we didn't feel uncomfortable or awkward in our silence, that we could just be there and enjoy each other's company and drive and be totally fine with it. That's where you say Oh, that, thank you. Thank you, Fonda. You're with me. Um, but we did a lot of stupid things, right? And you have did a lot of stupid things for love. Uh, we dated long distance for, for the first few months of our relationship. And uh, if, if you remember, come on, just, just walk back with me for a little bit. Trent, maybe you can remember this. Um, and you're on the phone talking, right? Even if it's not long distance. Maybe you're around the corner from the person you're dating. And you're talking on the phone late at night. We were long distance, so we'd talk for hours on the phone. But then it was like, okay, well, I love you, good night, and same thing, right? I love you, good night. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, I'm going to hang up. Ready? We'll do it together. One, two, three. You're still there. You didn't hang up. Anybody else, right? No, you hang No, you. And so then there would just be silence. All you would hear was breathing on the phone, but not heavy breathing because you're Christians, right? 
And that's the love, that's the, the, the experience and the relationship you had, and, and you were fascinated by the other person. You remember back, I, I know Matt talked about this a couple weeks ago, to the mixtape days. Anybody? Kids in the room are like, what's mixtapes? It was like a Saturday event where you had to get your tape deck out, right, and get your two fingers ready, because you had to do the play, and they're at the same time. And the top 40s would play, and you'd hope that they would play the song. And if you did it just right, you didn't have to go back and edit the tape after and get Casey Kasem's voice out of the mixtape, right? You could just go, boom. Anybody? No, is it just me? All right, are you with me now? Are we cooking? If you got Casey Kasem's voice, well, you had to get two decks, right? And then you had to play the one on the other and go back over and recreate so you'd get that out, and the mixtape was just perfect. But we spent a lot of time doing that. Teens today will never know the struggle that we had. Now they just go on like Spotify and create a playlist and it's done. That's so easy. You need to get back to the way things used to be. You need to get back. But I say all that to say this to you, um, especially married people this morning, or people that are in friendships and relationships in general, is when did you stop pursuing your mate? Or when did you stop pursuing a relationship? Or when did you stop pursuing a friendship? Put it into context this morning that sometimes we just get so comfortable after we've been together for so long, after you've been dating for so long, after you've been married for so long, maybe you've been friends for a long time with someone, that you just stop that pursuit. You stop trying. You stop, like with me, I'm always trying to impress Brent, right? Because he's a friend. I'm like, Brent, I just want Brent to like me. So I'm, I'm getting a couple laughs, so this is great. But when did we stop pursuing? When did we stop working on it? I want to ask you this question this morning. Is there any area in your life that you can be complacent, lazy, and not put work in and see success? School, business, gardening. What about your yard? I'm a little obsessive, compulsive over my lawn. Anybody else feel that way? I like to have a lawn just so. Anybody else struggle with that? like it to be green, I like it, but if you don't put the work into that, if you don't water it, if you don't mow it, if you don't rake it, if you don't fertilize it, then it's not going to look very good, right? The grass becomes greener sometimes in our marriage or in relationships or in friendships where we're looking on, from the inside out and saying, oh, that looks a lot better than what I have. In a dating relationship, in a friendship, in a marriage, you're looking and saying, that grass looks maybe a little bit greener because that person's putting in the work, that person is owning it. And maybe God's telling you this morning that you need to put in a little bit more work into the relationships that you are currently involved in. Or you hear people say, I found the one. Parents, have you had kids experience this yet? Or like, it, it's the one. I found the one. Dad, mom, she's the one. He's the one. Well, I think you found someone. Maybe it's not the one. But those phrases we throw around with dating, and I want to take you to Genesis 2 this morning for a second, and maybe even suggest you haven't found the one, but you found the two. Not just because it's Genesis 2, but you found your two. Read this with me, if you would. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper who is just right for him. Everybody say, just right. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. And everybody said, oh. 
So God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while the man slept, the Lord God took out of one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Next slide. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man, and at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, and she will be called a woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united to one. You haven't found your two, you, sorry, you haven't found the one, you have found your two, and I want to encourage you this morning to always pursue your two. What do I mean by that? Well, first thing is, God's always number one. In a relationship, no matter what it, who it's with, with your wife, with your children, with your friends, with your mom, with your dad, God's always number one. And then, number two is your helpmate. You pursue your two, and the two become one. So that's how God intended and he created it. So you want to be pursuing the two, right? The two that become one, but also in, in light of God is my number one, and my spouse or my mate or that person that God's created for me is my number two. Are you with me? Always pursue your two. Always pursue your two. Man was united to his wife in Genesis chapter 2. It's a Hebrew word there um, called dabak. And that word means to cling to or adhere or catch by pursuit. I love that definition. And I also love that it says to pursue hard with affection and devotion. When was the last time you pursued something hard with affection and devotion? I want to ask the married folks in here this morning this. When did you stop the pursuit? Because dating's not something you just do before you get married. Are you with me? There's some young adults and some youth here and some people in the room, adults that are dating or are currently in a relationship that is not a married relationship. But for those of you, probably the majority of you that are in the room, dating is not something that you just simply do before you get married. I want to ask singles here this morning, what are you pursuing? I want to ask parents here this morning, have you been pursuing your children? I want to ask everybody here this morning is how hard are you pursuing your relationship with Jesus and when was the last time you scheduled a date with him? Now we're stretching the term date a little bit here, right, and dating, but it's like when are you pursue, when was the last time you actually took the effort and the energy? Because if you had a date with someone, guys, teenagers, young adults, if you had a date with a beautiful woman, would you not write it in your calendar? Would you not set it, no, they're saying no, I wouldn't write it in my calendar, okay, Bad choice. If you had something important like that, you would schedule it, right? You'd say, I'm going to pick you up at this time, we're going to do, and you would plan it. We just had Valentine's. How many people planned a Valentine's date? I did. I planned a Valentine's date. We have free childcare. We dropped our kids off here, and we went home and had a date. All right. When was the last time that you pursued or scheduled that? God is my one, but I'll always pursue my two. Bible teaches us a lot about pursuit and perseverance. And I want to tell you this morning, um, you need to read your Bibles because the, the Bible is funny. Anybody find humor when you read your Bible? Like especially teens, youth, like if you're not having a good time reading your Bible, come talk to us. We'll, we'll show you some things. But the Bible is funny and I find it amazing to dive into sometimes. And in particular, there's a story this morning in Genesis 29 about Jacob and Leah and Rachel. Do you know that story? Some of you go read it maybe later. It's 
kind of funny because if you really open up your word, and I'm, I'm not kidding, this is in the Bible. I didn't put it on the screen. Maybe I should have, but I wanted you to go look for it for yourself because the Bible is funny and we need to be in it. And it says this, that um, Jacob is, uh, sees, sees a girl that he really likes, and her name is Rachel, right? And Rachel had a sister named Leah, and those two girls were daughters of Matt's waiting for some daughters of James. Those two, da- those two girls were daughters of Laban. Thank you. The Bible said this. Listen, it's, it's, it's hilarious because if you read the passage of Scripture, it says that Rachel had a lovely, lovely figure and was beautiful, but Leah had weak eyes. That's in the Bible. I'm not even kidding. Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful, and Leah had weak eyes. God's telling the truth here. In the Hebrew language, what that simply means is this. Rachel was super attractive, and Leah had a good personality. I mean, it's right there. If you go read it in Genesis, it says this, that, that Rachel was super attractive, and Leah had a good personality. And Jacob says inside himself, and he says, to, he's like, I want curvy girl, right? Because she had Bible says it. It's right there. It says she, was, she had a lovely figure and was beautiful. So, so Jacob is thinking, this is who I want. And Laban says what? He says, work for me. The father says, work for me for seven years, and you can have my daughter. All the dads in the place are saying, we need to get back to that. <laughs> work for me for seven years, and you can have my daughter. And so what does he do? He works for seven years, and what does Laban do? He tricks him and gives him four eyes. It's in the Bible. She had weak eyes. So how do you correct weak eyes? No? Okay. It's in there, I'm telling you. So, so Laban pulls the old switcheroo, and, and Jacob is like, what, what is going on here? And Laban says, it's not a custom to give the youngest daughter, right, because she was younger before the oldest, so you need to, if you, if you take Leah, if you take weak eyes, I'll give you curvy girl. So what the father says to him, and so he says, but you need to work for me for another seven years. And now what we think sometimes in the context of that scripture is that, that Jacob had to wait another seven years for Rachel, and really it doesn't say that. It says that Laban gave him Rachel, and he continued to work for another seven years. So think about that for this morning. He, already, he had Leah, and he already had Rachel, but he continued to work for seven more years. Like, he had what he worked for, but he had to work more. And he kept pursuing. He kept working for Rachel. And sometimes I think as spouses or when we date, when we kind of feel like we've arrived or, hey, I'm married. I've, I've arrived. I don't need the court. I don't need the date. I don't need to woo her anymore. I'm going to stop working the extra seven years. So I don't need to work for this anymore. I've already got it. And I don't think that's the idea of what God wants us to do in relationships. Whether that's in a married relationship, a dating relationship, a friendship, a bromance. No. Two guys going out for wings, three guys going out for wings, whatever it is. God wants you to work on those relationships and work on those friendships because it's important, I think, to the health of who you are and who God's called you to be. So God is my number one, and I will always pursue my two. Are you with me? Still with me? We doing good? All right. The pursuit isn't always easy in a marriage or in relationships, though, is it? Would you agree with that this morning? Has the pursuit been easy, guys? Nobody's talking. They should come down here. 
Has the pursuit been easy, ladies? Not, <laughs> thanks. It's a very deep voice you have there, ma'am. <laughs> the pursuit isn't always easy. Um, as a pastor for the last many years, I've met with uh, dozens and dozens of couples. And you know what? I've never met with a couple who had a marriage problem. I never met, in 20 years of marriage, I never met a couple who had a marriage problem, but I met lots of people who had problem marriages. What I've discovered is individuals with problems get married, and those problems begin when they were single. They don't have a marriage problem, they had problem marriages. Singles, this is the most important time of your life. If you're here and you're not dating, you're single, and you're like, I don't know what God has. This is the most important time in your life. It's the time when you can pursue God, and you can figure out your relationship with him when you begin to become who he created you to be. You had problems that you brought into a marriage or you brought into a relationship. You had problems that you brought into to friendships. Um, and Andy Stanley, who I'm a big fan of, puts it this way. There's a slide that I have there, and this could be tricky for you, but I want you to follow me. It says this, that your present will be your past, which will be present in your future. Think about that for a second. We talk about problems that we have in a marriage or in relationships or as singles, and we're pursuing uh, young adults who are are pursuing people in a relationship, uh, parents who are parenting your teenagers through the dating years. This is something that I think is so powerful to remember is that your present right now will be your past, which will be present in your future. Are you following me? So all of the things that you do, all of your mistakes, all of your successes, all of the things, maybe you have regrets, maybe you're like, oh boy, when I was dating, maybe some of you can attest to this, that in your marriage right now, things that you did in the present that became your past are now present in your future. And I'm not saying God doesn't have the grace to forgive and to to move on past mistakes or regrets. Uh, And even the positive things, no matter what it is, how you put it in your life with regards to relationships, is your present will be your past, which will always be present in your future. Are you with me? It will always be present in your future. Singles in the room this morning, this will help you greatly. Most buried people sitting around you are... Maybe, maybe not, maybe it's just me, but bought into the myth that the right person will make everything okay. It's the right person myth. Anybody, anybody who was dating or in a relationship thought that when you were younger? Had this thing in my mind that if I just find the right person, everything will be okay. If I just find, if I marry the right person, if I meet the right person, everything will be all right. The things that I'm struggling with will go away. All the problems that I have will disappear. The things that are unhealthy in my life, I will just stop doing them when I get married because I found the right person. That's not true. All the married people, can you attest to that? That's not true. Those problems don't go away. Those thoughts don't go away. Those things that you struggle with don't go away. Why? Because the right person myth that says, if I marry the right person, if I meet the right person, everything would be okay. But what you don't know is that the person you're looking for is also thinking the same thing. So if you have two imperfect people who are struggling through things saying, if I just find the right person, all my problems and struggles will go away. And then you find that person, but that person was thinking, you're my right person, so all my problems. And so you bring problems into a relationship and into a marriage where your present will be your past, 
which will be present in your future. Are you following me? They don't go away. It's a perfect person myth. When you're, de- when you're dating, you think, if I could just find the right person, but that's not accurate. When you're dating, you decided that the right person was the right person based on chemistry. Maybe it was just me. <laughs> chemistry is what determined the right person, and chemistry dwindles. When chemistry struggles, um, I've seen this in marriages. Um, maybe you have too, Matt, uh, other people in the room that if you've counseled young couples um, who have been married and journeying through life, they think, well, the chemistry is dwindled. I know how to fix this. Let's have a baby. All the parents in the room, can you attest? Can you raise your hand? Can you testify to the fact that children will make everything better? All of your relationship woes, all of your struggles, all of the things, if, if you just have a baby, it'll fix it, right? <laughs> all the kids are saying, yeah, it fixed everything. No, it doesn't. It doesn't fix anything. When I find the right person, everything will be okay is not accurate. Don't buy into the right person myth. Don't buy into the right person myth. I want to talk to you this morning just briefly about the difference in finding the right person versus becoming the right person. Happily ever after has nothing to do with finding the right person, but it has to do with becoming the right person. So whether you're dating or you're thinking about dating or you're in a marriage or you're single or you've got friendships, this applies to all of us because finding the right person isn't as important as becoming the right person. Everything in culture says that if you find them, it'll be okay. It's not true. We're not hunting. We're not looking. We're becoming. So let me ask you this question. Are you the person you are looking for is looking for? Become the person that you are looking for is looking for. Singles, dating, married, friendships, it doesn't matter. Are you the person you are looking for is looking for? I think God is asking you this. He's asking you to become the person that you are looking for is looking for. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot on dating as I prepare this. I talked to, to Matt and I said, thanks for giving me this one. There's no scripture here on dating. There's no rule book on dating that, but one thing I did find is the Bible might talk a lot about, not talk a lot about dating, but it does talk a lot about finding the right person. It does say a whole lot actually on who you are to become and how to become a person worth pursuing. And God created relationship and he created friendship and marriage, but it's not about finding the right person, it's about becoming the right person. And I know Calvin and Lorinda talked on this passage a little last week, but I couldn't help but repeat it a little this morning. That's 1 Corinthians verse 13, or chapter 13. It's a love chapter, but it's also the become the right person chapter. Passage in 1 Corinthians says that love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice. But it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, but never loses faith, but always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. It's a passage about becoming the right person, becoming a person of love. Love is patient. It means it's not pushy. Are you becoming a person who's patient? The myth is that whenever I get married, I won't need patience because I found the right person. 
Great. Let me know how that works out. Love is kind. It's considerate. It's considerate about what the other person feels and desires. Love does not envy. If I don't feel good about myself, then I can't let you feel good about yourself. That's, that's not what love is. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor. Listen. Love is about becoming the person that God has created you to become. Ladies, women who are looking for a man, men who are looking for ladies or for a woman, people looking for friendship, looking for relationships. Verse 13 says this in 1 Corinthians, that, and it ends, when, when I was a child, I thought like a child, and I acted like a child, I resigned like a child, but when I become a man or when I became an adult, I put away childish behavior. You're not looking for the right person. You need to work on becoming the right person because when you were a child, you read fairy tales and the commonest phrase was what? And they lived happily ever after. That's how children's stories end, right? But that's not the reality sometimes of life and relationships. That's how some of us date and that's how some of us view things in our married life is that if I can just get the prince and the princess together, if I could just defeat the evil villain, if I, then everybody lives happily ever after. And that's really not reality, and it's not reality in relationships. And it's not reality in dating. It's not about finding that right person and finding your prince charming or finding your princess. It's about becoming the right person worth pursuing. Happily ever after has nothing to do with finding that, but about becoming that, becoming the person you're looking for. So I'm going to wrap things up this morning with three things that I want to share. Three things that will help you in your pursuit, whether that's a dating relationship or a married relationship or a friendship. I think it works in life, it works in business, it works in school, in every relationship. But remember, it's not just about the pursuit, okay? Parents with children... I think this works for you, pursuing your children, you go on dates with them. I take my kids on dates all the time. Anybody else? Anybody else take your kids on dates? It's not just about one road that we go down of singles who are in the room that are dating and who are planning to get married. It's about husbands. When was the last time you took your wife on a date? Wives, when was the last time you took your husband? Parents, when's the last time you took your children? Children, when's the last time you took your parents? I'm waiting for those days. When they pay for lunch, that'll be a glorious switching of the roles, right? These are all important relationships. And so here's three practical things that I think will help you in pursuit of healthy relationships. The first one is this. When you think something good, say it. In the context of dating, in the context of marriage, husbands and wives, you might be married in this room for 30 years, 40 years, five years, I don't know. But when you think something good, say it. You might be dating, put it into context. You might not be dating, but you have friends. You might be in a relationship. You might have really close guys, you might have really close guy friends. Girls, you might have really close girlfriends that you hang out, that you're pursuing relationship you're doing life with. Here's a principle. When you think something good, say it. Write a note. Send a text. Let them know. In the context of marriage, it's a little different. Um, if I could quote the author in Hebrews and use this loosely to apply to marriage this morning, it says, to encourage one another 
daily as long as it's called today. In the context of marriage and dating um, between a man and a woman, especially in marriage, men, how do you pursue? You pursue her with words, with words of affection. Any woman in here that would deny that? Words of affection. You pursue her with words of affection, non-sexual affection, I might add, and I know what you're thinking, men, what is that? Let me tell you what non-sexual affection is. Are you ready for this? It is affection that is not sexual. Men can make anything sound sexual though, right? Like I work with a staff here that I know episodes of The Office are already running through their heads and they can make anything sexual and so your wife can look at you and say, honey, winter is coming. We need to really rotate the tires and the husband is like, I'll rotate your tires. Like, <laughs> has nothing to do with what we're talking about but you can make, and I'm telling you, pursue her with words that are non-sexual affection words. Like don't, just say, I love you, and she says, I love you too, but say, I love you because, or write a note and say, I love you because, or send her a card that says, I love you because you're incredibly faithful. You're the best mom. Fill in the blank. I don't know what it is for you, but don't just say, I love you. Pursue her with words of affection. Husbands, let me tell you, you do that, and she'll let you rotate the tires. I'm just saying. Like, what does that even mean? Ask Pastor Matt. Okay, that's next week. <laughs> Ladies, pursue him, husband. Pursue your husband. Ladies, who date, pursue him with words of affirmation. As men, maybe it's just me, but the more and more I talk with guys, it's like we're incredibly insecure. And we want to know so much that you believe in us. Ladies, He's becoming what you see in him, especially in the context of marriage this morning, but husbands are becoming what you see in him. When you tell him that he's not, you rob him of the confidence of who you want him to be and who God's created him to be. If you're constantly telling him things he's not, you're robbing him. If you tell him what he's not, he's going to take his ball and go home because if he can't win, he doesn't want to play. It's just how men are wired. Pursue him, pursue him with words of affirmation. If you tell him what he is, He's going to turn into that. Men, she wants to know, do you love me today? And guys, ladies, he wants to know, do you believe in me today? So when you think something good, very simple, very practical in a relationship, in a marriage, in dating, when you think something good, say it. Number two is, when you think something special, do it. Swipe right, not left. When you think something special, do it. James 4, 17, again, if we could use this, Lucy, in the context of marriage, it says that if anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't, it's sin for them. So if you think something special, if you know the things that you're supposed to do in your relationship to keep it healthy, to keep it strong, to keep it godly, to keep it, if you know that, then do it. If you think something special, do it. And I know a lot of this gets interpreted to married couples and people who are dating, but if, if you're not in that category this morning, it's okay because maybe someday you'll need to hear this. A lot of marriages are in trouble because I think we don't date anymore. You think back to the mixed tape days and, and how much time and energy was put into that. 
thank God, and go back to those days and do it again. We stop the pursuit sometimes. We, we, we get lost in a marriage relationship and think that once I've arrived, everything's okay and I don't need to work on it anymore. And maybe that's you in the room this morning. Maybe you've been married for a while and you're saying, yeah, you know what? I can't remember the last time that we went on a date because dating is not just for people who are not married. Are you with me? Put in the time. If you think something special, then do it. Husbands, bath the kids, put them to bed without being asked. Send her flowers. If you can't afford to send her flowers, pick flowers. Why? Because it's important. Hey, you do those things, you bath, you bath those kids and put them to bed all by yourself without being asked and watch her get all hot and bothered? You say, why are you talking about that in church? Listen, God created this. God created love. God created sex. God created intimacy. It's not a bad thing, and we shouldn't shy away from talking about it in church, but in the right context of which and why God and how he created it for. Husbands, send your wife flowers at work so other ladies can see it. Why? Because there's double points involved when other people see you do it. But husbands, don't forget that all points evaporate at midnight. Because that's the problem too, right? It's like, I gave you flowers like a month ago. What, what more do you want? That's done. The day is over. All points evaporate at midnight, so you can't just do it once and expect it to be good and carry over for the month or for the year. Ladies, do something special for your man. Wives, for your husbands, maybe book a bread and breakfast. Take them away. Because we've been working hard to provide for your family. So you plan a special night away. And all the guys in the room know what a hotel night means, right? According to the new covenant. No. I'd do something special like that, but I can't afford it. We just start, we're on a tight budget. Listen, you don't need to do something expensive to show your husband that you appreciate him. You don't need to do something expensive to show your wife. You don't need to do something expensive to show the person that you're dating, a friend, and a relationship. It, it doesn't need to be expensive. It could be something simple but thoughtful. When you think something special, do it. Husbands, get a Hershey kiss and write a post-it note. Leave it on the dresser. Wives, light some candles and play some Marvin Gaye. Like, who's Marvin Gaye? No, you're not with me this morning. Maybe if you're married and you have young kids, you need to, you know, go and turn Door the Explorer on and, and look your spouse in the eyes and say, we've got 30 minutes. Go, Diego, go. No? We laugh and we're kind of sitting here and saying, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about this. Why? Why are we uncomfortable talking about something that God created? Something that God's saying, hey, if, if you think something special, do it. Show your spouse that you care. Show your spouse that you're still putting in the effort. Now, if you're dating, you can't do those things. But when you move from dating to marriage, right, there's, there's a sequence that happens. And you need to know this. And we need to teach. Listen, I want to teach my boys 
I want to teach my children what it's like to respect and to honor the women that are in their lives. I want to show and teach my boys what it's like to treat their girlfriend, their spouse, when they get like a princess. To do all those things, to never stop pursuing your two. To never stop doing the things to show them the love and affection that you have for them. Because dating is not just between two single people. When you think something special, do it. Pursue your two. When you, when you think something good, say it. When you think something special, do it. And the last one this morning, if you're still with me, when you want something different, be it. We talked about focusing on your spouse. If you focus on what your spouse is not or what your friend is not or what your children are not, you lower their chances of becoming what you want them to be and who God's created them to be. You can't, you can't nitpick someone into change. Anybody in a relationship here or a spouse that, you know, things just aren't going how you, it, how, how's that worked for you just to nitpick into change? Well, I really wish you'd do that and you didn't do that. And Anybody? Doesn't work. You can't, you can't change them into that, but you can love, pray, and care them into change. You can be an example. You can initiate things. Revelation 2, 4 to 5 is a letter to the church, and uh, it, it says this, you don't love me like you used to. <laughs> one of the interpretations, but this one on the screen says, I have this complaint against you, a complaint that, that you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Look how far we've come. Look how far we've kind of swaying away from what things were. Maybe that's you in your marriage this morning. I don't know. Maybe you're looking and saying, hey, you, remember what things used to be like? Remember, remember when we used to be dating, when you used to, pers- when you used to bring me flowers, when you used to? Look how far we've come. We've come so far. We, well, we need to get back to that because if you want something different, and I would say this in the room, if you're dating, especially teenagers and young adults in this room, if, if you're dating and you're in a dating relationship and you're like, I want something different, you probably should get out of the relationship. Because you're not pursuing and you're not becoming the person that God wants you to be if you're trying to change the person you're with or you want something different and you're trying to fix it. But in marriage, there was a point that we came, we say we knew we wanted this. And if you're in that and you're in a marriage and you're saying, I want something different, <laughs> you're not lost hope, just, just be it. If you want something different, just be it. Go back to the way things, go back to the start, go back to what first caused you to be in that position of love and pursuit of your spouse, of your mate. If you want something different, then be it. So anytime I think something good, I'm going to say it, especially to my spouse, especially to relationships. Because it's not just about my wife, but it's about my children, right? If I see something good, if you want your children to do things that are good and to behave and to cooperate and to, if you see something good in them, say it. If you see something good in a friendship, in a relationship, then say it. Anytime I think about something special, then I'm going to do it. 
And anytime I want something different, then I'm going to be it. It starts with me first. Why? Because I need to become the person that God has created me to be, not find the person or not try to be something. I'm, I, need to, I need to say, God, I'm going to pursue you, number one, right? Number one, I pursue him. Number two, I pursue the relationship. If I want to be something, I've got to become who God's created me to be. I've got to desire that. I want you to close your eyes this morning as we wrap up and the worship team comes. Everybody in the room, I just want you to close your eyes just for a few seconds. I could have spent the entire morning talking about dating and young adults and what you should and shouldn't do. And we could have spent the entire morning talking about couples. Could have spent the entire morning talking about singles. But dating... And becoming I think it's something that is an ongoing process that God wants in all areas of our lives and relationships. And I want you to listen to these words this morning. One more time. We've already read First Corinthians, but I want to read it again. And I want to read it to you in the message version. Because this is the chapter that God wants you to become this person. These words right here, he wants you to hear this morning. He wants, Matt, he wants you to hear that love never gives up. He wants you to hear that, that love cares more for others than it does for self. That love doesn't want what it doesn't have. That love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. And love doesn't force itself on others. Are you becoming the person where love isn't always me first? Are you becoming the person that love doesn't fly off the handle? Are you becoming the person that doesn't keep score or the sins of others? And you don't revel when others grovel and you don't take pleasure but you do take pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything and it trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back, but it keeps going to the end. If we listen to those words this morning and we apply that to all areas of our lives and relationships, not, not just the single people in the room, I didn't really want to focus just on that this morning. I felt God wanted to focus a little bit even on marriage this morning and dating within there because I feel in the room that that's probably a struggle that a lot of marriages have, that things get busy. Children come along and jobs are taking up your time, but you're not putting in the same amount of time to your marriage as you once did. And I think God's just calling us back and saying, hey, why don't you start to date your wife again? Hey, why don't you start to date your husband again? God created all these things and it's beautiful. And he wants us to flourish in our relationships. But the challenge this morning would be to leave here and to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna date more. Not all you single people. It's not. 
but I'm going to go on a date with my wife. I'm going to go on a date with my husband. Hey, parents, maybe it's been a long time since you've taken your child out just one-on-one. Maybe you have grown children. Maybe grown children in this room and you haven't been out with your parents for a while. My parents live on the other side of the country. I would give anything to call up my dad and go for lunch this afternoon. Maybe there's some of you in the room that can do that and God's saying, build on those relationships, pursue those, become the person that I want you to be, but, but pursue those relationships above all else. Take the time because you will be a better person because of it. Amen? We're going to sing uh, a song. We're going to revisit one of the songs we did this morning. We're going to ask you to stand to your feet. And the words of this song says that we look to the sun, that we keep the eyes on their Savior. It's the image of love. And no matter what season you're in, whether you're a young adult looking for a future spouse, whether you're someone who already has a spouse, if we look to the sun, if we look and keep our eyes on the Savior, the image of love, right, then we're focusing on becoming the person that God wants us to be, not trying to find the person that God has for us because that person's not going to complete you in the sense or in the feeling that you're looking for. But if we can make that our prayer this morning as the band leads us, that we look to the Son. We look to the Savior, the image of love. And we become the person that God wants us to be. To all of those around us and to all of the relationships that we're in daily. Amen?